1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 is where we're going to start, and we will linger there for but a second. This is the 27th message dealing with these gifts. You're not going to believe it. This is be the last message dealing with these gifts. I will deal with prophecy again. I will deal with tongues again because they come up again in um, the, the study of this book. And I have not exhausted chapter 14 in its earnestness, but you have to see that. Because it's got that one in there that says that women need to be quiet when they're in church. And it's in the line of tongues and in prophecy. And you probably don't want me to mess with that today. Okay. Uh, If you're worried about it, I would tell you to get last night's tape. Because I dealt with it last night. Okay. Um, And um, that's the best I can tell you. Uh, so uh, anyway, verse 28, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then the gifts of healings, helps administration and various kinds of tongues. And everybody's saying in 28 weeks, I know that verse. I have memorized it. I can tell you where the common is and the punctuation that falls on the participles. Father, we come before your throne uh, to hear you, Lord. Um, Help us. Help us to understand the urgency of the day. Help us to understand uh, that what you've given us should overwhelm us. And, uh, Lord, that uh, the manifestation of your church, which is Christ, is the preeminent focus of what you're doing this day. Father, let us rest there to your glory and praise. Amen. We have been looking at gifts, these gifts, started in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant about these gifts, all right? These spirituals, divine enablings. And I want to try to wrap this thing all back up in one big old package again because um, one of the things that is so evident today is in the church in America has stepped into what I call the Corinthian catastrophe. Okay? The church in Corinth had bought everything that the world was selling and was trying to add it to the church so that the church would have a greater impact is what they believed. Okay? That is a lie from the pit of hell. And what happens is, is that we will take the lie and we will try to blend it with truth and get a purer truth. Something that you and I, uh, on Wednesday nights, I'm dealing with spiritual warfare. What is it? What, I mean, really, what is it? I mean, it's not binding Satan and, you know, wearing little crosses. And if I got a fish on my car, then the demons can't hit me and weird stuff like that. I have heard all kinds of silly things about what spiritual warfare is. Okay. And I don't want to get too explicit because you would know some of the people that stated these and they may have stated it to you. And you would say, well, Terry just thinks they're silly. And I would say, yeah, I do. (laughs) But. What is spiritual warfare? And, and I, I, I see it today. We've missed it. We, we, we've bought what I call Bugs, Bonnie, Bugs Bunny theology. We, we think that the devil has a tail and a pitchfork and horns and he looks like Yosemite Sam. Okay, or he's green and spins heads around on little girls and projectile vomiting or something. Uh, 
that ain't true. None of that is true. All right? Spiritual warfare is going to attack you. You know, I dealt with it last night, didn't I? All I want you to do is doubt Scripture. That's all I want you to do. Just doubt it. Any given text. I don't care. Choose one. All right? And it is just as simple. Do you know the story of Jonah? Okay? Well, let me tell you something. It's not a story. That's historical fact. There's a big difference. There is no story about Abraham Lincoln. That is historical fact. But all it does is lay one word in there. It's a story. I know the Bible stories. Really? How many wise men were there? Three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? No. We don't know how many there were. But see, that is the stuff that you and I will, will struggle with. And what happens is your enemy, your adversary, that's what Satan means. An adversary. And it literally means someone who will chase down to persecute. Okay? And he will counterfeit the things of God. And I see it all over the place today. All over the place. We have been looking at the gifts of men, the gifts that strengthen, and gifts that signal. And we're concluding today with what is the gift of interpretation that nobody seems to have. And yet we've got all the rest of them, but nobody seems to be interpreting. All right? We've looked at apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, they are in the church. There's no such thing as an evangelistic ministry outside of the body of Christ. It's not biblical. To have a man who says, I refuse to be tied to one church because I am an evangelist is negating this book. Where are the evangelists? In the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. What are the pastor teachers? In the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. What are the spiritual gifts for? In the church. They don't help you in corporate world. They're not given to you for the corporate world. They're given to you to strengthen the church. Why does the church look so goofy today? Verse 1, chapter 12. I do not want you to be ignorant of the spirituals. Ask yourself a question. What do you think the church looks like today? And as far as their understanding of spiritual gifts. Ignorant would be a step up. I mean, I, I saw a man laying on a stage, looked like he was having a seizure while the choir laughed and the church was celebrating because that man was giving birth to new souls. Okay? And there were 25,000 people laughing because it was a moving of the Holy Spirit making everybody laugh. And everybody was, praise God. Okay, and I'm sitting there going, dude, I've been to rock concerts, I ain't that crazy. 
Okay, and there was some weird stuff going on there. And the church just sits there and smiles at it. Wow, yeah, that's just the way God's moving. Really? No, it ain't. No, it ain't. Okay, I want you to understand that. There was a man who came into this town who said he had the gift of stirring up Holy Spirit. And he would blow on people's bellies and that would stir up the Spirit. And I said, what biblical precedence is there for that? He said, well, when God created man, he blew into his nose. And I said, so why are you blowing in the belly? You missed. And I have a very dear friend of mine who walks with the king who is a God-fearing man. He says he was there and when he blew on his belly, he felt something. I said, there's no doubt in my mind. If you go looking, you will find. But understand, is it God? Is it God? Listen, before I came to salvation, I, 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 had a, I, I loved concerts, rock concerts. Okay, And you name it, I've seen them. And usually multiple times. And every time I went to a concert, I went expecting to experience something. And you know what? I was never, ever, ever let down. Never was I let down. Okay? But I can tell you this, it wasn't God. Never was it God. Okay? What's the difference today and I see in church? I tell you what, I heard a church up here in, in, in Denver, great big church. I heard a lady singing up there that if I shut my eyes, that's Janice Joplin. And I mean, she could sing. And it was Christian sounding stuff. But when I shut my eyes, I could hear me and Bobby McGee. <laughs> All right? But what was it? She's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against music. That's not what I'm saying. But I shared this in my Sunday school class that in just five years time, when I was called five years ago, when I was called about my church, okay, we're new in town and we're looking for a church. The first two questions were asked to me was, do you have Sunday school on Wednesday nights? And where do you put scripture in your worship service? How important is scripture in your worship service? You know what I'm asked now? Do you have contemporary, blended, or traditional worship? What the heck is that? No, we're still killing pigs out back. Okay? We got the old altar just cooked up, buddy. We need to give a little bit, we burn it up and give it to Jesus, and then we sit down and we do pork. Because we're Gentiles. I'm not blasphemous here. Do you see what I mean? And in five years' time, that has happened. What happened? The church bought the counterfeit. The church bought the counterfeit. I went through this. You'll have to go back and get it yourself if you haven't got all 27 messages and you don't know this and you're ignorant of it. I told you what an apostle was. I told you what a prophet was. I told you what an evangelist was. I told you what a pastor was. And I told you what a teacher was. And they were given as gifts to the church. Period. If the man is exercising that authority outside of the church, he's counterfeited. He has made a whore of God's spiritual gift. He's prostituted it. Sorry. You should have read what Linsky wrote. (laughs) Linsky was getting up on the wrong side of bed, didn't he? And was mad about it. But we also give every child of God a spiritual gift. A gift that strengthens. And that strengthening... Is the word of knowledge. Please keep the two together. It's the word of wisdom. I know a whole bunch of people got knowledge. I got a whole bunch of people who know wisdom. But I got very few who know the word. 
Okay? If we knew the word, then why are we so deceived so easily? We buy some of the silliest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Why? Because we don't know the word. And we don't even want people to preach the word to us. Okay? How are people saved today? Well, I can tell you right now, meeting with some of the pastors in this our community, they're not. There's nobody getting saved. We're getting crowds. Most guys, when I ask them about baptism, it's a rebaptism, and I don't want that means either. It didn't work the first time. What? Okay. But there's no one coming. The kingdom is not expanding. Why? It's easy. Who's preaching? How do you get saved? Preaching. But I don't want to be preached at. Fine, don't get saved. I don't have an issue with that. See what I'm trying to get at? We have bought it. Oh, yeah. But I I just need to feel what? Feel loved? You can't look at a cross and say, He loved me? All right. When I, I, I look at this and I say, there's the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Why? Those were given to us. Chapters 12, verses 4 through 7 says, each one is a manifestation of spirit for what? The common good. Who is the common good? That's us. When people, you know, a few years ago, I got it. Well, you sound like you just want people to go to church all the time. And I would back away from it and say, no, nah, you don't need to be in church all the time. But you know, the more I think about it, what's your alternative? Well, I don't go to the bars. But what are you doing? I'm taking care of self. Okay, I mean, the last person who called me and said, what kind of, <laughs> what kind of worship service do you have? <laughs> I got, I was about up to here with it. <laughs> I said, we have a living sacrifice service. <laughs> That's how we worship. We're not conformed any longer to the things of the world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's really an interesting concept. And I don't, nobody's called back since. I said, that guy's crazy. Some kind of madman on a hill. There's a gift of faith. I call that prayer. It's a person who takes it all before the king so that he can watch the hand of the king. There's a gift of prophecy. It literally means to stand in front and proclaim. There's a gift of discernment, which nobody seems to have anymore because nobody was exercising the thing. Um... There is the gift of teaching. There is the gift of helps. There is the gift of leadership or administrations. There's the gift of exhortation. Exhortation is a tough one. We all like to use that one. I have the gift of exhortation. Then how come you're in church every time the doors open? Because the gift of exhortation says, I am so knit to you that everywhere you walk, I'm on your shoulder. That's exhortation. Exhortation says, I have a relationship with you in such a way, in such an intimate way, that when I say, you know what, you keep going down that road, it's going to get really but ugly quick. You're going to listen to what I say because you have been walking with me and you've been seeing me. Okay? If you don't see me, 
and you don't walk with me, when I come up and say, you know, I think that you need to submit to your spouse or something to that effect, you're probably going to throw something at me. That's all right. I have scars over both eyes. Okay? You won't be the first. You won't be the last. But see, we have these gifts. And who gave them to you? Spirit of God. For what? Common good. Of who? What purpose? Verse 12. Even... As the body is one, yet many members, and all the members of the body, though we, though they are many, are one body, so is Christ. I heard, uh, I think Matt was with me when uh, Ramesh Richard uh, preached this, and then he says, I'm going to ask a question, and it's a question that's asked continually all day long. How are you? Okay. If you saw Jesus right now and you asked him, how are you, Jesus? What would he say? Head's fine. Body is trashed. I just am out of joint. Why? Because for one thing, these gifts of men, I'm not sure that the church appreciates. Okay, when I get these surveys over and over, the average life life expectancy, the average time a pastor stays in a church is three years. Okay, that's fascinating to me. Maybe that's my problem. (laughs) I ain't figured out where to go yet. (laughs) You know how guys are. We just don't ask for directions. I just keep coming back. Okay, why is that? Well, it, it could, you know what? There's too many pastors. Okay? I, I, every Thursday I meet with a group of yahoos in town, and I can tell you emphatically there's too many of them. All right? And I, I don't say that to be mean, but some of these guys, okay, I'm glad, glad you're doing that. <laughs> Keeps it out of my hair. All right? But, but he said that. But the other part is, I know that the church don't appreciate the gifted men. I've seen it. Over and over and over and over again. I also have noticed that gifts to strengthen people don't want to exercise them. Why? It takes time. It takes time. You have to get involved in people's lives. You like that? I, you may, I hate it. I hate being involved in people's lives. Just leave me alone. I'll come in on Sunday, do my thing, and I'll leave. Okay. And no, you guys, somebody put my cell phone on a bathroom wall someplace. It's called Terry. All right, why? We just want to talk to him. See, here is just wonderful voice. See if he's mad or maybe he should be mad. Why? God took me who don't like people and says, I want you to be a pastor. Can I do that without liking people? Can I do it and not be involved with people? Well, how am I going to do that? God says, I'm going to beat you like a redheaded stepchild. <laughs> and then you're going to do it. And I said, well, that don't sound right. And he says, would you like to define for me right? <laughs> okay, got it. Do you, do you understand that? And listen, I'm not sitting up here. To, I want you to know who I am. I am, I, I am uh, well, you call it an introvert, you call it whatever you want. I'm the person that if they said they put you on a desert island all by yourself, what would you do? Whatever I wanted. Okay? Well, what if everybody was gone off the planet and it was only you? Hallelujah. <laughs> there would never be a traffic jam. 
Okay? And I could stay up as late as I wanted and go to, you know, do whatever I wanted. That isn't hard. But that was the individual I was. And God said, I'm going to take that individual and do what? You need to be involved in people's lives. I don't want to be involved in people's lives. And I have been through the process. Some of you who've known me a long time says, yep, he's been through a process. But one of the things that I've noticed in my process is every child of God has been given a supernatural power that the Holy Spirit says is necessary for the incarnation of Jesus Christ in the body of believers that is us. And if you want to go try to do it, go ahead. Because I can watch you and tell you if you're doing it. You're the cranky one. Okay? But if you have died to self, you have yielded, you will bear fruit. And when you bear that fruit, it will be Christ. And guess what? You're just a vessel. I I shared with my Bible study this morning, the greatest freedom that I ever got, and it came over a process, was that the only thing God ever expects from Terry is my absolute failure. That's it. And I sit there and go, wow, cool. I like that. That's Galatians 2.20. You have been, past tense, crucified with Christ. Have you? Okay, listen, only one's come up out of the grave. You ain't him. All right, do you really believe that you can memorize this book? Okay, and then go walk as Christ walked? Only one walked as Christ walked. By the way, you ain't him either. Okay, so what is it? I'm going to yield. You know, I shared this years ago. I actually taught it down at an equip conference in Albuquerque that until you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, you ain't getting it done. Listen, when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, was he looking for Christ or for God's will? I'm thinking that Jesus had it figured out. What do you think? Yeah, he knew what was going on. But it says that in his prayer, he was so intense that he prayed great drops of blood coming off his forehead in sweat. Why? Why? Because he's getting ready to go do God's will. What's fascinating about that? Jesus raised the dead. He stopped storms. He took on a hundred demons at one time. He made paralyzed people get up and dance. He made the blind to see. What didn't he do? He fed 4,000. He fed 5,000. He confronted the Pharisees. He turned over the tables of the money changers. They tried to throw him off a cliff in Nazareth. They couldn't throw him off a cliff. Nowhere did he expend any energy. Except one time. In the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, yours be done. Okay? The reason that you don't see spiritual gifts being exercised in the church is that very simple reason. People aren't dead. They're not, no, I don't want to do it. It's, just, it's pain. Absolutely, it's pain. I agree, 100%. I had a plans yesterday. I had this thing I was going to go do. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go up. It'll be a time to relax. I can do this little shopping stuff that I was wanting to look at. Uh, there was a swap meet up in the convention center. I'm, yeah, I'm a pagan. I was going to look at a bunch of motorcycle stuff and parts. Okay, and just be as pagan as a day. I got to County Line Road. That's as far north I got. Okay, now I could hold that back and say, you know, that's a, you know, let's, I get one half an afternoon off just to kind of go do something that I want to do. 
And God said, no, I don't think you understand. You've been bought and paid for with a price. I have given you a supernatural enabling to help other people. And then I had my little conversation with him. But I told you, you're the one who loved the world and died for it. I don't. <laughs> I don't love the world. There are a whole bunch of them in there I don't even like. And that's a little conversation. I know you guys don't ever struggle with that, but I struggle with that. And that is the very reason that your spiritual gifts may not be used in the body of Christ today. Why? Because it is still your will. Listen, if you exercise your gift and it isn't take and, 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 and you grow weary of doing it, then understand what you just did. You just exercised your gift. When you don't grow weary of it, who's exercising the gift? God is. When does he get tired? He, he, he gets tired when he hears my prayers. Here it comes again. Okay? But I want you to understand that. Okay? Because then we looked at gifts that signal. That signal. God is speaking to this individual. Okay? We looked at miracles. Okay? That literally means powers. The gift of power. Okay? And I showed you that the men and the, the individuals who used this were speaking forth New Testament truth or Old Testament was being pre- preached through the prophets and you can see the power that came through it and God validated that these men are my spokesmen. All right? Very simple. Then I showed you healings. Healings. I'm talking about organic healings. I'm talking about somebody whose spine is completely crushed. There is nothing going on from the point of the fracture down, and all of a sudden they can get up and dance. That's the kind of healing I'm talking about. All right? And listen, I'm not talking about taking veins off your butt and putting them on your heart. That's miraculous, but you know what? There's some guy went to school, some guys practice it, and they're going to do that, and they're going to start you back up, and you're going to run and have this huge scar on your chest. Okay? Now, if that can happen without the scar, without the doctor, without the hospital, okay, that's a healing. Right? Okay? The stuff that I hear as healings is not healings. 1.2 million healings were tested, organic healings, and none of them were validated. Listen, if you've got a doctor who has 1.2 million uh, patients and none of them were fixed, you going to go to that doctor? I'm not. Why would I go to a healer that does that? Okay? Why would I go to a man who claims, I think it was four or five years ago, God told him that he's going to take Orlando, Florida, and he's going to bring fire and brimstone on it because they were celebrating Gay Pride Week. Okay? It hasn't happened yet. All right? So he makes a new one. We're going to be attacked, and there'll be a million casualties somewhere in America. Why would I listen to him? I'm still trying to figure out why we didn't stone him the first time. Uh, it's probably against the law, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? And yet we have those very same people. I remember what's his name in Tulsa says, God says, I've got to have this much money to build this hospital. But he claimed to have the gift of healing. If you've got the gift of healing, you don't need a hospital. Right? So why would I give you a dime? Use your gift. Okay, then we looked at languages. And I showed you there was a position for the gift of languages. And languages is not for the edification of the saints. It's not for us. Why? It's a language. The edification part of the gift of languages or the gift of tongues is the interpreter. 
Okay? Because I showed you the positionally, if you want to see people saved, if you want to see people sanctified, it comes to the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy does what? Speaks forth what? The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Okay? Probably has the gift of discernment. Probably has the gift of exhortation thrown in there. And you know what? I have learned as because I have the gift of prophecy, I've got a little more gift of faith than probably I wanted. Why? Because I've got to pray about this. Because it's obvious that I can preach it and nothing can happen at times. All right? So what do you do? Preach it again. (laughs) If you look at chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, you're going to see this. Verses 1 through 19, you see its position. We looked at that in depth a couple of weeks ago. Then you see its purpose in 20 through 25. Okay, and it was explained. It was a sign. What kind of a sign was it? It was a sign to unbelieving Israel. If you look at the chronological ministry of Jesus, okay, and I'm going to let you go do this on your own. The chronological ministry of Jesus. His first year and a half, almost, uh, almost two years, he said he was Messiah. Okay, and he was doing miracles and people kept thinking, man, he could, he could be Messiah. He could really be it. And then he did a miracle and the leaders of Israel, the spiritual leaders of Israel concluded that it was by the power of Beelzebub that he did it. I like that. That's brilliance. Okay? And from that position on, Jesus began teaching publicly in parables. Okay? Let me explain to you what a parable is. It is a riddle that you can put any answer to you want unless the person tells you what it means. Okay, and if you look at Jesus when he taught in parables, it was always public, and then he would take his disciples off and explain the meaning of it. Let me tell you something. Those people who heard that publicly were condemned by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you don't know what he's saying, then how do you enter into the kingdom? And it could be anything you want it to be. And if you don't believe me, I have heard people try to explain parables. I I get so nervous when I hear a man say he wants to preach on a parable. If Jesus Christ did not explain the parable, I ain't saying nothing about it. If he explained it, then I'll tell you what the parable says. Because other than that, it's just a story. Okay? It has all the truth to it. Absolutely. But at the point that the religious leaders of Israel said, you are working under the power of Satan, Jesus began his condemnation of the nation of Israel. It was further fulfilled. We looked at it. There's three verses, Acts 10, Acts 19, and Acts 2, that the only time you see the Holy Spirit entering into people and people speaking in tongue is when it's in the presence of Jews because Israel was under God's condemnation. So it is a sign. What kind of sign is it? It's a sign of judgment. It's a sign of judgment. That's awful. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. Go look at the seven woes to the Pharisees. That word woe, that means cursed. You know what that means? Grace is over. Jesus cursed Chorazine, Bethsaida, Capernaum. You know what that means? Done. Done. Okay? Did it to the Pharisees. He did it to the nation of Israel when they concluded that he was doing it under the power. Listen, if your religious leaders conclude that Jesus Christ is working for Satan, 
you need to get new religious leaders. All right? Because at that point on, he began condemning them. You see it further at the Holy Spirit comes in at Pentecost, starts coming through the apostles, and you see the Holy Spirit moving, and you would have men or women, when they came unto salvation, they would speak in a foreign language because the hearer would be Jewish. He would not understand what it is. And if you can't hear the message, how do you get saved? It's condemnation. It's condemnation. Okay? So that's what I want to conclude this message with. The procedure. This isn't difficult. Okay? It it isn't difficult at all. The procedure for the gift of tongues is given to us in chapter 14, verses 26 through 40. Please understand this. Spiritual gifts, first, are not given to man to give back to God. You understand that? Okay? God doesn't give a gift by the power of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can have some kind of communion with God the Father. They don't need that. All right. Holy Spirit empowered gifts are given by God to men for men, which brings me to the second thing. Every spiritual gift is not for the individual. It is for the common good. It is for the body of Christ. Any person who is using their gift for self-edification and self-aggrandizement has again prostituted the gift. Okay. Anybody who says that there's a, some kind of prayer language. That means the Holy Spirit is talking to himself through you. And the point of that is what? I thought we were here for the edification of the saints. The Holy Spirit, read your text. The Holy Spirit has gives the gifts as he desires for the unification of the body. What was wrong with the church in Corinth? They had no idea what unity was. And the world hasn't taken them over. Okay, now I want to show you two verses that everybody gets all messed up with. Verse 39 Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues. All things must be done properly and in order, orderly manner. Okay? So everybody says, see right there? Verse 39 says, don't forbid to speak in tongues. Okay, I won't. All right? As long as it's done properly. Verse 26. What is the outcome, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. What's it say next? It has to be done for edification. Okay, so if Alex has a psalm, Allie has, I'm going to go through A's, no. Allie has a teaching, Um, Tara has a language, Uh, you know, Matt has an interpretation. You're all talking at the same time. Who's going to get strengthened out of that? I am because I'm going to go to my office and sit. <laughs> and I'm locking the door. I'll be strengthened. Lord, they're all yours. <laughs> it's, not, it's not complicated. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? What was going on in the church in Corinth? Everybody wanted to stand up and show you how spiritual it was. You know, there used to be a practice in the church that I think was phenomenal. I'd like to see it happen again. I'm just scared to start it. It was called giving testimonies. Okay? People would stand up in church and give testimonies. And you know what you hear today? People all wanting to brag about how sinful they used to be. And I, I remember one time sitting, and it escalated. It started over here, and it kept getting worse. And I kept thinking, that person over there is going to make Hitler look like a saint. Because they just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then I noticed it was coming around to me. And I'm like, I ain't saying nothing. I can't beat that one. 
Okay, I'm thinking you should have tried suicide. Oh, that sounds awful, but that's, that's what they call testimony. You know what testimonies were? Let me tell you what Christ has done in my life. Okay, I can't find anywhere where the Apostle Paul talks about his past tense. Okay, when he talked about his salvation, it was here and going on. I mean, he was happy about it. Everything I want to hear was, well, back in, uh, in the winter of 41, uh, I was just a, uh, you know, scum bucket, you know, worm. And me and Jesus were like this, and he hit me with a bolt of lightning, and then we went out and got drunk together. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I hear weird stuff. And you just sit there and go, okay, fine. I would like to see testimony come back into the church. Why? Let me tell you what Jesus did with this goofy employee that I was working with. Or let me tell you how the Holy Spirit moved through this intervention that I was dealing with. Or let me tell you what Christ did as He strengthened me. I mean, when I, when I read the letter from Heidi, it says, you know, I've been reading Martin Lloyd-Jones on the Sermon on the Mount, and it says, you know what, our lives need to show this. And He has given us the power to do that. That's testimonies. Okay? What was happening in the church in Corinth? He had a bunch of show-offs. That's basically what it was. You know what you see in a church today in America? Show-offs. Okay, verse 26, if anyone speaks in a tongue, a language, it should be, it should be by two or three, I like it, mostly at three. That means if you got somebody speaking in tongue, two or three should be the most. Okay, look what he says next. Each in turn, you know what that means, right? Everybody's wanting to exercise their gift all at once. Okay, and he basically already said, you know, lost people come in and think, there's people who are nuts. And it's true. I've walked into churches like that. Them people are nuts. When I think about the guy who was having the convulsions on the stage and the choir was laughing and everybody started laughing, he was giving birth to souls, I thought, you know, if I'm a lost man, I'm going to look at that and think, whoa, (laughs) wrong door. (laughs) Okay, why aren't the walls padded? (laughs) Oh, really? Okay, I, I mean, I heard a person say, I bark in the spirit. You what? I bark in the spirit. What does that mean? I bark like a dog for Jesus. Does Jesus want that? Did what? And, you know, and then I don't even want to get into what it means to be slain in the spirit. Ain't that what you do to an enemy? You want that? I don't know. Well, you know, some may. Look what he says. It should be done in an orderly manner. And it says one must what? Interpret. You know what I have seen in the spiritual gift of tongues that everybody says happened? I have never seen anybody interpret. And I don't understand that. What would you just say? How are you strengthening me? You ain't? You know what he says next? Be quiet. That's what he says. Then he makes a statement. And everybody says, well, it says here, if I'm not to say anything, then I'll talk to myself and to God. He's already dealt with that. He dealt with it in the purpose of it. Why? The gift isn't for your edification and it isn't for God to talk to himself. He's already said the very basis for spiritual gifts you've perverted. So he basically, it's a sarcastic statement. He said, well, are you so goofy? If you've got nobody to interpret, sit there and mumble to yourself. Don't bother the rest of us. That's basically what he's saying. Why? Well, talk to God. He'll listen. See, we've completely missed this. 
He even gives it, he says, let me even give it to you this way in verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak. Let each one pass judgment. That basically says, if the prophet says something, the guy or the girl gets up and prophesies, then let the other ones make sure what they're saying is true. We don't do that. I have heard, man, we won't go there. I've heard people get upset. I have to get to prophecy and say some of the most silly stuff. And nobody stand up and say, that was silly. Okay? Uh, The one that I hear the most, God told me to tell you. Did he forget where I was? Okay? And you hear it on a regular basis. You hear this word. God has told me. What? What did he tell you? Okay? God talks to me all the time, but he only does it when I open the Bible. And, you know, and if I don't open the Bible, he, <laughs> he usually makes something happen that I have to. <laughs> well, he does. All right. Verse 28. If there is no interpreter, okay, he uses the same illustration in verse 29 to speak of the prophets. Listen, if you've got them there, let them validate each other. If you have someone with the gift of tongues, the gift of tongues would be condemnation to a Jewish hearer. He will not be able to hear the gospel in his own language. And so God, in his mercy and his grace, will have it interpreted so that the saints will be strengthened by it. Anything short of that is a perversion of what God has empowered. The gifts are for us. If you have the gift of tongues, praise God. But I bet you really need to find who's got the gift of interpretation to go along with it. Because you're useless. I, mean, I guess I could send you to Israel. You can run around on a hill and condemn all the Jews. Be careful, they may think you're Palestinian. <laughs> well, they might. Okay? This is the kind of stuff that you and I have to pay attention to. Why is it that this is so easy to see in Scripture and so few look? Okay, 29 and 30 says that even the prophets would do this. Verse 30 says, but if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. What does that mean? It's easy. God is not a God of confusion. Okay? Let's, I want you to think about this for a second. Look at creation. Okay? Now understand that right now creation is condemned. The effects of sin are on creation. But is creation disorderly? I mean, you know, every once in a while a volcano goes poof and kind of rearranges you may have a hurricane shows up here or a hurricane shows up here. But have you ever really looked at a hurricane? They're kind of cool. I mean, when you're in Colorado, hurricanes are cool. <laughs> but have you ever seen what it takes? A body of water gets warm and it starts spinning because of the movement of the earth. And all of a sudden it picks up strength and starts, it becomes its own little weather system, takes off and messes with Florida or New Orleans or something. Right? Have you ever really thought about it? Have you ever thought about what it takes to organize a hurricane? Have you ever, I, I come from Tornado Alley, and I've seen tornadoes all over, but tornadoes never bothered me. You can go 90 degrees and get away from one. Okay? Um, now, 
you know, lived in a trailer park, oh well. But anyway, I said, look, trailer park, tornado, poof. I never seen anything like it. Uh, that's not true. I did remember a subdivision where it took and knocked out every other house across the street. And literally the houses in between, the shingles were intact and the windows were intact. And the other house, now these were brick homes and the other houses were completely flat. How do you do that? God does that. Why? And I don't know what you did wrong, but move. No. But do, do you see what I'm trying? What I'm trying to get you to understand is this. Is God a God of organization? Right? He knows what's going on. He knows when a sparrow falls. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows when Al's going to lose his next one. Right? Okay. If the church is the manifestation of Christ, then how should it look? Orderly. And whatever your gift is, it should be done orderly. Why? The unity of the body has already been given. We preserve it in the bonds of peace. You know why there's disorder in the church? Ask yourself this simple question. Is the church ignorant of spiritual gifts? That's it in a nutshell, brothers and sisters. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't read my Bible. I don't know what it says. I haven't sat under the gifted men that God has given to the body of Christ to teach me, to show me, to help me. I haven't been there. I don't know what my gift is. I already showed you. I gave you six things. You do these six things and your gift will be manifest, guaranteed, every single time. And I ain't telling you what they are. Get the tape, CD, MP3, whatever we're doing these days. Spiritual gifts are not hidden. They're, they're not something that, well, I don't know. It's not some mystical thing. God doesn't say, I have spiritual gifts and you can't find them. Why? He is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. If you have the gift of tongues, no problem. Praise God. Now find the person who has the gift of interpretation. So that the saints may be edified through what God is doing. The spiritual gifts are for the edification of the saints, for the strengthening of the saints. Here's the key for the work of ministry. You can't be saved and not have a ministry. It's impossible. It's impossible. God saved you for a purpose. And he empowered you for that purpose. And he plugged you into a body of believers so that purpose would manifest the unity and the wholeness of the body of Jesus Christ. That's it. Okay? And you guys are saying, he took us 27 weeks to do, tell us that? I'll go back to my original statement. Why don't you listen faster? Okay? That's the key. The people that I see in this church that are ministering are those who said, you know what, I have these gifted people that God has brought into my life who teach me. Therefore, I now have yielded my life more. Therefore, God is incarnate coming through me in the power of His Spirit. I am exercising my gift. And lo and behold, look at what God is accomplishing. And those who are not have broken that in some position. They're not yielded. I don't have time. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't. Shame on you. Okay? 
earnestly desire prophecy. Do not forbid to speak in tongues. And let all things be done properly and orderly. Why? God is not the God of confusion. He's not. That's, I mean, that's what chapter 13 says. Chapter 13, you know, we all read that when we get married. Well, I, I didn't when I get married. But anyway, well, they read it. Well, you know, and love is not boastful. Is not, you know what? He's talk, not talking about marriage. He's talking about the church. Well, in some cases, church looked like some marriages. But anyway, that's what it is. Why? If you do any of these things without love, you're just noisy. And I get a hearty amen out of that one. That's spiritual gifts. Okay? You have gifts of men. Men that God gave as gifts to the church. Who'd have thunk it? Okay? Every child of God has a gift for the strengthening of the saints for the work of ministry. And then there are gifts that signal that God is doing something massive. It's not complicated. Not only is it not complicated, it's very orderly and very simplistic. And we now shall pray that God will do immeasurably more than what we could have ever thought or imagined. Father, to your praise and glory, thank you for your bride, your church. Thank you for your word and its simplicity. Father, help us. Help us who are called by your name to walk in a manner worthy. Father, let us not do anything out of vain conceit or selfish ambition. But Lord, I beg you that each of us would consider others more important than ourselves. Father, these are urgent times. These are tragic times. And yet, Father, you said you will build your church and the abode of the dead can't stop it. Help us, Lord. Help us be the manifestation of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. As we heard from our dear sister Heidi, let our lives be such that we've earned the right to speak on your behalf. To your glory, to your praise, yours and yours alone. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.